Hey, good morning, Drive Time. Welcome back. As always, I'm David Drum. And today I am joined by the one and only Pastor Joseph Gilchrist. Now, you'd be hard to see. He's in camouflage today. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure you'd be able to follow him a little bit. You know, just squint, look at the screen. So, Joseph, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sorry about hey, the camouflage. Hopefully you keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, give the guys a little peek behind the, the screen here is you and I have, have struggled to, to get our calendars to align a couple of times to, to make these recordings happen. But you are, I think this is your third time on drive time would put you in the, like the top 2% of our speakers. All um, right, let's go. So for, for as much work as it's been for us to make today happen, um, like you're still what you, I would call you a regular on, on drive time. Yeah. So like one of the, one of the top, one of the top tier, like, like, uh, you could almost sound like the Jim Harbaugh of drive time. Oh man. Does that mean you're going to screw this up right at the end? <laughs> uh, maybe last year, but not this year. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, um, I know we're going to talk about something totally different and unique today. We are going to talk about Jesus. So, um, uh, you were just, uh, you just spoke, um, uh, just, uh, like a, a week or so ago about, uh, this topic, uh, of Jesus and his manhood. Um, but, as is typically the case when you guys are stringing together messages and series, there's a lot left on the cutting room floor, so to speak, uh, of information that, that you guys just don't get to talk about because there's just not enough time. And there's a lot of different directions you guys can go. So you are here today to kind of get back into a little bit of your message and guys, uh, Joseph's message, the link to it will be in the description of this video. So if you didn't get a chance to see it in church, uh, go back and watch it. Cause it's going to be some of the context for today. Yeah, no, I, I think it, you hit the nail on the head with the idea of, I mean, definitely can't fit. I think any content fully, you know, there's so many complexities and nuances to, anything you're going to talk about in a 25 to 30 minute message. But I think, especially when you talk about the life of Jesus um, and really what he meant and um, what he's meant to the world, but also um, just in so many different lenses, again, I think you can attack it from so many different uh, backgrounds. Um, you could look at, you know, him through the lens of scripture and through the lens of the impact he, he, he left on the world. You could look at him through the lens of history, history, just a historical perspective. Um, there's a lot of different ways to kind of slice and, and dice up, you know, what, who Jesus was, what, what he was meant. And that's actually one of, one of my favorite, um, things to do. And the, sometimes within the evangelical church, I think it can get you in trouble. Um, but one of my favorite things is to look at Jesus, um, through a historical perspective. Um, and what that means is actually just for argument's sake, you know, don't, don't lose me here, but, uh, just for argument's sake, you remove the deity for a second, right. And you look through the pages and you look through the story, um, and the context of history and go, 
so who was this guy? You know, just like you look at Aristotle or you'd look at Julius Caesar and go, well, who were they and what was the mark they left? Um, and why that is so fascinating to me is because if most historical perspectives you look at, whether it's, so it's Aristotle, right? You have this beautiful, uh, scientific mind. And the reason he comes to the forefront and why we want to discuss and talk about his life is because of really what he added to to the conversation within science and how brilliant he was uh, and the things that he, he, um, he brought to the forefront within that field. You could talk about Julius Caesar and you think through, right? Like his overall governing rule and that he basically conquered the whole world at the time. Uh, you know, the whole, most of the known world was under his command. And so, wow, what a ruler in his, you know, time and day, but then you get to this guy, Jesus, and you know, who is he? Right. And, and I've heard, uh, um, uh, atheists who, who have studied the life of Jesus to understand like, Okay, you know, they don't, you know, their express statement is they don't believe that he's the son of God. They don't believe he's any, you know, he's not a prophet. He's not anything. They don't believe in the spiritual mm -hmm. side at all. That's them. But they are still blown away by the impact of a single man, not in royalty, not in right. governmental leadership. So like you're talking about there, even if you take that side out of it, I mean, for me, that's what explains it. You know, why else would we still be following and studying this, a man over 2000 years right. later, but it's just that thought of like, even, even the most, you know, adamant agnostic or atheist perspective can recognize, man, this dude did something to our culture. Right. And if you drill that down just a little bit deeper, because that is, most just about everybody acknowledges this is a real man. He's a real man in history since 2000 years ago. He walked the earth, whether they believe he died and resurrected or whatever, but they believe he was a man. And that, that's so fascinating too. You got just about everybody in the world go, okay, this guy, but again, the importance of he's not royalty. He's not a brilliant scientist. He's not like, what did he add? And, and when you ask the question, what was he, you get down to, he was a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. And so his name, again, starting to debunk some of these things, his name, as he would have been called, is Yeshua. Um, at that point in time, in, a, in Jewish tradition, probably more likely translated to like Joshua. But we get Jesus from actually Paul breaks it into Greek as Lesus, and then in Latin turns to Jesus, and then, and then in our English vernacular now, it's Jesus, right? So that's kind of the train. But Yeshua, uh, a Jewish carpenter, uh, from Nazareth, not just middle East from Nazareth, which was like the lowest of the low within them. It's like, you know, I'm joking with somebody earlier. It's like a Mockley in Florida. Uh, <laughs> and if you, and if you don't know where that is, that's kind of the point. Like, well, who knows? It's like a little tiny town within the Everglades. Like nothing good. <laughs> like what comes out of that? It's the Everglades, you know, people don't even know it exists. And so when you get that and you go, okay, on top of that, he only lived till he was, 33. So he only had a short time in his life to really make a mark and, and then to move forward within the lens of history and go, 
all types of things are pointed back to him from, from orphanages. That's, that's a Jesus following individual that starts the first ever orphanage um, hospitals. Jesus following individual starts the first um, active hospital. Um, you can, you can track back so many institutions back to Jesus following people that are meant to, to do better for, for, uh, and really have goodwill toward humankind on this earth. And it points back to a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. Like it doesn't compute. It doesn't really make sense. And when you read it, and that's what I love, like when you read it, even when you remove, let's for argument's sake, let's remove the deity concept and just look at him as a historical through the historical lens as a man, a lot of that power is still there. Like, a, like a lot of it still exists. And uh, and if, if you could compile that and rattle it off, one of my sources actually that I referenced even on the, um, is, is who is this man by John Ortberg. I referenced that uh, during my message as well. But um, when you rattle that off and, and you kind of compile this just from a historical perspective, it's wildly powerful. So, all right. So if, if we, again, you, you know, talking about boiling it down to, um, his contributions as a man. Um, I mean, you and I would, would probably agree that the reason he had the wisdom he had and the ability to influence the way he did was because of the spiritual component that obviously existed there that, that you and I would believe and follow. Uh, but and as a, a man, you talked about these institutions that were created by his followers, um, you know, orphanages, um, really, it, you can't even have conversations about civil rights, equal rights, women's rights without a Christian component to it, because he was really the first one saying, like, no, we're, we're all actually equal, Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, you see those reference throughout his life. He, he modeled it maybe even more than he would uh, overtly always state it, but clearly modeled um, the ability from the woman at the well, that, that situation in context, the Samaritan woman at the well, for him to sit down with her, to have a conversation with her, um, to send her out into the village. And then, uh, you know, almost, I reference this almost all the time. I love the fact that in scripture, by the end of that chapter, it says the woman, uh, is the reason why the whole town was saved. Like that's, that's an iconic, you know, tipping point uh, for, for, for women within that culture that never would have been stated. Um, let alone a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. And I mean, it says, so the disciples showed up and they were in shock, basically in awe, probably some horror, uh, that, that our Jewish rabbi was talking with a Samaritan woman, both based on, um, race and gender within that situation. They're like, Whoa, breaking all these rules. Um, but he consistently did that for the down and out consistently did that, um, for the marginalized, for the oppressed, for the people who were looked at as less than equal. And then that causes, um, Paul, you know, later on to go neither Jew nor gentle Gentile, uh, neither slave nor free, neither Greek, neither Hebrew, like they're all equal. Like that, that is the, the cause. And so that's kind of trumpeted throughout. Um, and again, that's all, that's all apart from death and resurrection. That's Paul looking at the life story of Jesus and going, Whoa, if, if, if he's doing what I think he's doing and saying what I think he's saying, um, I love that about the early Christians too. They started this thing when they, when Christians were first created, they weren't, they weren't 
called Christians. They, they call themselves followers of the way. I, I think we've kind of lost that to, to an extent within our culture. Like, well, I'm following a new way. I'm following the way. It's a different way than what's constructed within um, within politics. And it's a different way than what's constructed within religion. It's this new vein. And I'm, I'm treating everybody, you know, as, as different, but equal. And, um, and, and I, Jesus spurred that, that on. So, all right. Now you, you mentioned, this is kind of the historical lens, uh, but you also said there, there are other ways to view Jesus in those exact same situations. There's, there's other lenses to, to look at him. Um, what are some of those other lenses? Yeah, I think obviously through the lens of scripture, right? So when I talk about through the lens of scripture, I'm talking about from a 30,000 foot view. So um, I love kind of taking people on this journey because I think sometimes we can get just zeroed in on a specific piece of scripture um, and we can kind of get stuck there. But um, Scott McKnight, who's a theologian and professor, uh, wrote a book called blue parakeet. And he kind of writes out about the idea within the Bible. It wasn't really put together as we chunked it into scriptures and verses and made it small and minute details, but it was actually written as full books, each one, just a full book. Um, and then, um, and then the whole thing was compiled six, uh, 40 different books, 66 different books, 40 different authors as a story. And so we are supposed to really read scripture as a whole story. And when you break it out as a whole story, you have this this beautiful picture um, of really the whole old Testament really leading up to Jesus arriving. And really the biggest synopsis we're really supposed to take away from it is we can take away all these other sub points and things. And that's cool. And that's important. Um, and, and you can form your own doc- doctrine and theology in a bunch of different ways. But the biggest takeaway is really, we, we were screwed up. Like it was really disjointed when Jesus arrived, like, um, we, we were far off the path and you could take that in a hundred million different directions, but we were not, we were missing the mark in a major way. And then Jesus arrives and basically is the picture of, what you've heard, you know, and he references it. This is what you heard, or this is what you say. The law says it this way, but I say the law says this, but I say the law says this, but in the kingdom, it is this. And, and really describes to us a different, a revelation of who God is. He is the revelation of who God is to us. The closest revelation we'll ever get. Um, and then really reveals to us a new way, again, a new way of doing life and starts to tell us, I, I love Jesus too, because he doesn't, there's not even as much demand in Jesus's tone. Again, that's countercultural to a lot of preachers that might get up on stage and we may demand, this is what God demands or decrees. Jesus did a lot more of blessed is the peacemaker. Blessed is blessed. Are you, if you, there's a lot of just, Hey, and, and, and you almost, once you start to look at it through this lens, you start to realize, Oh, he's really just laying out, Hey, this is the typical stream of life. This is the way it's running. And if you could get on it this way, it won't have to feel like so much work and so much effort and so much tiresome, you know, you don't have to run this rat race the same way everybody else is doing it. You could move this direction. It doesn't mean obstacles won't come. It doesn't mean there won't be, you know, rocks in the way at times or things on that, the, the stream bed, but 
at the end of the day, um, he depicts to us again, even within the 30,000 foot view of scripture. Now that works moving anyway. I've, I've heard, I've heard theologians even say to the extent of, if you're looking at something in the old Testament and it doesn't make sense or it doesn't seem like, or, or it's confusing, what is, how does this there? And that's there. And it almost seems like God's committing genocide here. And he's doing this crazy thing over here. What's going on. You, we aren't meant to de- just pick apart the old Testament. We actually zoom straight to Jesus and go, does it make sense in the nature of Jesus's life? And if it doesn't, then I look backwards through the rest of scripture, through the lens of Jesus, through scripture, now scripture is being decided based on what Jesus did and how he lived life. And I look back through it and I go, and I'm missing something here. I'm pulling something out of context. I don't understand the world. I don't understand the words. There's something missing. I'm not exegeting correctly because if Jesus didn't line this up as well, then it's not the illustration I'm supposed to be getting or the, or the characteristic I'm supposed to be getting of God. Now this also works moving forward. So everything Paul said and Peter said and Timothy said, anything moving forward within scripture is the same as we read it. If it's not lining up with what Jesus, the example Jesus gave us, then we need to go back to Jesus and go, wait a second. What is this? And so I love looking at scripture. I guess I could almost flip that and go, it's really more about scripture through the lens of Jesus and the, and allowing him to tell us the story and allowing scripture to be what it is, which is when, again, a 30,000 foot view of the whole of the story. Um, and what Jesus did is kind of what we've been talking about, right? He came, he gave us the ultimate illustration and picture of who God is. He also gave us the ultimate illustration of who we are and what we're capable of, uh, as humans. And so when you start to pick those things apart and then go, Oh, now I can read through. So when we miss the mark in the old Testament or when, when it's off base in the old Testament, that was us missing the mark. That's not always like, sometimes we make the old Testament characters, like the heroes that we're after. And they're like, wildly missing the mark in that book, <laughs> you know, and Jesus does that. He makes corrections on it. So now you, you would, you, I read my mind a little bit because you talked about, you know, Jesus through the lens of scripture, Jesus through the lens of history. And then you, in my mind, I was like, well, what about, you know, through the lens, you know, using Jesus as your lens, looking at scripture and, and you, you would point it right at that. Um, so with that in mind, that thought of Jesus becomes the lens of how we view scripture. Um, how essential is it that we have a clear lens how essential is it that we understand who Jesus is in order to use him as a filter to understand scripture? Yeah, I think that's wildly important. And I, and I tried to focus on that in my message a couple of weeks ago in the, in the realm of who Jesus is in our picture really depicts who we're following. And if who we're following is going to depict how we live our life, that's wildly that's pretty wildly important. It's like maybe mission critical, maybe, maybe mission like a start, start at a, um, and yet you got a lot of Jesus following people who I don't know. Like, I, I think we're, we're in a, we're in a moment in our culture who we might say we're Christians, but like, do we know that he was a carpenter? Do we know that he lived in Nazareth and what that means? Do we know that his name was actually like, you know, Yeshua? Do we know that, um, that he, uh, that he spoke Aramaic, 
you know, or Hebrew. Um, he actually could have spoken Greek, a little bit of Greek as well. Um, but most of his language, most of his conversations would have been in Hebrew or Aramaic. Like, do we, do we know that? Do we even study that? Do we care about that? Do we know that he wasn't blonde haired, blue eyed Jesus? Like that he wasn't holding a baby sheep, petting him like with some weird cat woman or <laughs> cat mom, uh, you know, walking around in pastures reciting scripture. Like that wasn't the Jesus that we're following. And I think when we start to get into those nuts and bolts, and start to unmask some of that curiosity, hopefully takes over and go, okay, wait a second. Then who was he really? And I think that's a great place to be. Yeah. Right. Who was he really? Let's dive in. Let's think about the fact that, um, and again, I focus on some of this within my message, but let's think about the fact that, um, let the children come to me. Who, who wants to, sh- who wants to run up to what type of kids want to run up to a boring, mean individual? Like that doesn't, doesn't happen. That tells us something about his character. Wow. Children wanted to hang out with him. Yeah. That means he was probably really nice. He's really kind. He was, he was probably really fun. He's probably goofy. He had to have some silliness of children. are wanting to, to be around him. Uh, how about the fact that uh, it says sinners and tax collectors that he was basically, basically he's at their parties. Again, I don't know the last time you've seen the, the um, overly zealous religious priest-like individual get invited to, you know, the house party down the road that are all, you know, you know hey, grab some Budweiser's uh, and, and meet us over there. Like people are inviting that guy to their party. They're inviting the guys, who, like, again, that are fun, that are, that are willing to have fun. They're willing to dance. They're willing to enjoy themselves. Um, and they show that they're willing to enjoy themselves. And then somebody's like, Oh, Hey, like I got a party going on this Friday night. Would you come? And then they're almost a little bit astonished. He's like, absolutely. I'll be there. Um, and he shows up and I think has some fun. Like he, he wasn't some, uh, you know, whitewashed, boring, mean, religious zealot reciting scripture while walking through the prairies, prairies and petting sheep. Like, And I think that's like, even just that right there, I think begins to shift and shape and go, wow, that's wildly different. And if I'm, if I'm following, cause here's, here's where it matters, right? If I'm following a rigid Jesus, then I become a rigid Christian. And if I'm a rigid Christian, children stop coming up to me, secular worldly people stop coming up to me. And I ultimately that trend only continues over and over and over and over until I've lost influence over a lot of people that I was at least meant to have an impact or influence on all because we followed a Jesus that the picture that was uh, a picture that was given to us that we just decided to blindly follow instead of actually investing. All right. So just cause our, we're, you know, we're moving along in time here. Let me, let me ask you this for the guys who are, are hearing you talk about this and, and, and I would agree with you having, having a clear view of who Jesus is, is a critical component of how we then act or behave as his representatives on earth today. Um, mm-hmm. If, if, if I'm a guy who's watching this video and it's the first time that my version of the black velvet Walmart Jesus painting is being challenged. Where, where do you recommend? Cause let's face it, you can go complete mm-hmm. nerd on this and, and read history book after history book that isn't interesting or inviting. Uh, 
where can I go to just start understanding that there's a, a not so Americanized view of Jesus. That's probably a little more accurate. Yeah. Uh, I think two things. One is Google. Um, uh, I tell my teams all times like Google is meant for more than TikTok and whatever you're using it for. So, uh, one is Google. Hold on. My son is, Hey buddy, give me a second. Okay. He got his walkie talkie Spider-Man walkie talkies out. So, <laughs> uh, um, and, and search some of this stuff, search for a real picture, like was a real image of Jesus. Some, some fascinating things, uh, will pop up. You can read some articles. You can, some images will pop up of a middle Eastern man, uh, which is much more likely. I mean, that's who he was. So, uh, but beyond that, just the characteristics of Jesus, I actually think one tool that we've just recently been given is the chosen, um, I don't know if you've watched any of that. I'm not a huge Christian product homer, so I'm not going to throw a bunch of, you know, Christian movies at you and go like, yeah, go watch those. Um, this actually might be the first time ever uh, that I've done that. Uh, and not to, I'm not trying to like downplay or whatever. It's just not typically, I don't feel like we really get a good lens very often from those things, but the chosen is something I've been watching a little bit here. I'm season two, like episode four or five. And I think they've done a wonderful job at depicting a little bit of everything. They don't, they don't strip. Um, I think the holiness of Jesus, they don't strip that, that he had a real prayer life. They don't strip um, him of a relationship with God. And the fact that, you know, he was God and man at the same time, they don't strip him of these things, but they also completely put into play the idea of, of, um, you know, why children would want to hang out with him. Why people like he's there's a scene where he's at a wedding and he's dancing. They're like, he's dancing. He's dancing. Like their, their minds even are like, this is supposed to be the Messiah. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. And he's out here dancing at our wedding. Um, but he's honoring his, his, uh, as a guest, he's actually honoring the bride and groom even, um, by doing so. There, I, I, there's a lot of fun. It just shows like the ability for him to walk, to enjoy life, to take everything at its you know fullest. And you're talking about a guy who's like probably the, you know, the greatest purpose of anybody who's ever touched feet on earth and yet takes the time to dance at a wedding yet takes the time to, to laugh, takes the time to, you know, make fart noises in front of kids so that they giggle. And, and they depict that in this, in this series really well. Um, and so, um, yeah, I would, I would encourage if you're interested in this or want, I think a better grasp of maybe who this guy was, you're not going to get the historical context of what everything equaled. Um, like, uh, but, but you're going to see a little bit more of the world. And I think that, I think a better picture of the characteristics of who he probably more likely was. That's interesting. And I, I have watched the show. Um, I'm eagerly awaiting the next season to come out. Um, yeah. And honestly, one of the things that I, that I, I identified in is, is the character portrayals of, the, of everybody and the personalities they give them. But the fact that they let Jesus be a little sarcastic not, not, cynical, yeah. but a little bit, you know, he's got a little jab here and there and he picks at his, his, his disciples. And uh, because let's face it, if we are made in his image in God's image, yeah. and this was fully God and fully man. Um, I have to believe that as much as you, like you and I banter, um, that Jesus would have done the same. 
You know, if, yes. if we can laugh at ourselves and laugh with each other, uh, I just don't understand how it could be that that doesn't exist in him as well. Um, 100%. So. I've always been a big advocate of that. And um, even in that, yeah, in that series, I've loved that about that as well. Even, even within the religious leaders, um, there's one point he's in the temple and they, they say, what is wrong with you? And he's like, apparently everything. And, uh, cause he can't, he's like, if I heal a guy, you yell at me. If I don't heal the guy, you yell at me. So I do this thing. And then you're yelling at me. He's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, apparently everything. And you're like, get out. And he doesn't even respond. He's just like, he shrugs his shoulders. Like, okay. And then it walks out and then we're like, come back here. And he just keeps whining. And I love it. I'm like, yeah, that's a real, that's a real man. That's a real human. And, um, and I see that within the tone of scripture, honestly, as well. Like there's moments within scripture where he's getting it, you know, are you still so dull? It's not like a really comforting, really nice moment. You know, he's looking right. at his disciples. They're asking a question. Well, why? And he's like, are you still so dull? Like, oh, ouch, you know, it's a little, little hit, but he's there. He's doing life with them. So he has the relational bandwidth to do it. I love it. All right. Well, Hey, uh, Joseph, thank you so much for spending time with us today and, and just expanding on, you know, thoughts from your message and, and again, giving us the, this thought process of, of a, where we get our lens for scripture, um, you know, in the, in the, the life, in the man and in the deity of, of Jesus. So um, thank you for being here. And uh, you know, again, guys, if you didn't see Joseph's message, check out the links um, and go back, watch it. You'll get a lot more context for today. Great. So, Thanks for having me guys. We'll see you again next week here on drive time.